0: Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. All the way back in 1971, 50-plus years ago, with the publication of Francis Moore LePay's Diet for a Small Planet, the world began to take notice of the connection between what we eat, who we are, our environmental future, and the sustainability and quality of our food supply. Since then, the external forces that impact all of these things have brought more pressure to bear. The state of our climate and its consequences, the quality of our food, how long we live, are all going in the wrong direction. Even more problematic is that each seems to be siloed. My guest, Dana Ellis Hunnis, in her new book, Recipe for Survival, takes a more modern and holistic approach to looking at ways to improve our health and at the same time improve the health of our planet. More importantly, perhaps, she looks at the small steps we can take every day as a springboard, larger consequences. Dana Ellis Hunnis is an adjunct assistant professor with the Fielding School of Public Health at UCLA and a senior dietitian at the UCLA Medical Center. She earned her B.S. in nutrition and human biology from Cornell and her master's of public health and Ph.D. from the Fielding School at UCLA. It is my pleasure to welcome Dana Ellis Hunnis here to talk about her new book, Recipe for Survival. What You Can Do to Live a Healthier and More Environmentally Friendly Life. Dana, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful introduction. It's a delight to have you here. Thank you so much. First of all, talk a little bit about how you started to think about all of this in ways that interconnected so many of the problems that we face today and ways that began to pull together so many of these problems that we talk about, often in their own silos?
1: Well, it really started back in around 2008, when I was pondering whether or not to go back for a PhD. And I remember reading this book, Whose Water Is It? And it was all about water rights. And it really brought home to me this idea that we depend on water so much for the foods that we eat and and so much of life depends on water and so while i was studying my phd i went to ethiopia and built on that and really learned about uh, rain-fed agriculture in this developing country that's very poor and just how people are responding to being unable to grow enough food and how they respond to food insecurity and environmental changes. And then after giving birth to my son, uh, right after I finished my PhD and looking down at him, he wasn't even six pounds. He was this tiny little thing, so dependent. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I've learned so much about climate change, food security, the environment and, and everything that's going into it. And what can I do? to make sure that this planet can sustain him and his generation and the foods that they want to eat and the lives that they want to live. So that's really how it all came together, to be quite honest.
0: Do you think that there is a generational shift that is going on in the way these issues are being looked at?
1: I think that... Yes. I mean, certainly I would say my generation, millennials and younger, I would say definitely have this almost innate understanding of climate issues. And I think part of that has to do with Greta Thunberg and just how um, vocal she's been. And, but I also think, you know, that older generations as well, thanks to, um, you know, Gore and his films also care and also you know want to make this planet better but there is I want to say maybe a generational difference in how we go about it because on the one hand you have the younger generation that kind of understands a little better about food interactions with the environment And then you have maybe the older generation that thinks more about fossil fuels and and the industrial revolution and maybe, you know, many of the things that uh, they grew up with. So I do think there's still these silos that somehow need to be uh, joined together.
0: When people make a list of of the things that concern them most today, certainly in the U.S., and, and there have been poll after poll in this regard. Climate change often comes pretty far down the list. I think the highest I've seen it in any of these polls is about sixth. And yet, if you talk to people about food and their health and their own personal security in these areas, those things rate higher. This idea of kind of pulling this all together as is, is, is a way to get people to look at the big picture. Talk about that.
1: Right. I mean, it, it's so true and exactly how you phrased it. Um, you know, what's good for the planet is also really great for our own health and what we do for our own health to be you know healthier and and eat uh, in a way that can help prevent Certain chronic diseases is actually also better for the environment. So, you know, I think if we try to take a more um, holistic approach and look at all of these interconnecting systems as we are part of this planet, not apart from this planet, and what we do to feed our own bodies healthy food also actually is really helpful uh, in, in providing a healthy planet as well.
0: What is your sense of the impact that the past two years have had on how people think about this?
1: I mean, to be quite honest, I know there's our, there's so many competing demands that have happened in the last two years uh, with food security, with whether or not you know the foods that you want from the grocery store are going to be on the shelf because of supply chain issues, um, and just a general sense of how safe are we uh, both just – in terms of infectious disease, but also in terms of how safe is our food supply and and how secure is it? I do think that has come um, to fruition in people's minds. But again, when you think of all the competing demands of, oh, my gosh, how do I keep my children safe? How do I make sure I have a job and, and food on the table? It is true, unfortunately, that some of these bigger issues that seem more far removed from our own personal daily lives, such as climate change, can unfortunately be put on the back burner. Um, But yeah, no, I I do think there's been some uh, cognizance of it during the pandemic. And especially when you think of the idea, this notion that three out of every four future new infectious diseases is believed to come from animals.
0: What is your sense of of concern about food security today and the degree to which people should be concerned about that?
1: Well, right now, I mean, we still live in a time and a space where in the United States, food security is not really that much of an issue. I mean, we grow more than enough food to feed the entire country. And in fact, we have we grow more than enough food to feed most of the world. Um however with that said, you know, I mean food security is also an issue of where you live and, and what food stores are or are close by to you and how expensive is that food and, and things of that nature. So it's you know it's a very nuanced question um in the sense that there's personal food security and then there's more of like a countrywide food security. But with climate shifts and environmental shifts and rainwater and drought and floods and things of that nature, um, I I do think that, you know, the time and space we live in right now will be put at some level of risk unless we make some uh, major changes.
0: Talk a little bit about recipe for survival and the things that you talk about that pull all of this together.
1: Well, you know, some of the things that we've just been talking about um, on, the, on this radio show have been more, I think, of a, a wider view. So what can government do to uh, make sure that our, our food safety is secure and our food security is secure? But what I talk about in the book is really more what can I do as an individual to, be, to make my contribution to both my own health and the environment, because there are things that each and every single one of us can do every single day to be a more sustainable and more environmentally friendly person, um, as well as a healthier person. So that's really what the book is about, the individual.
0: Talk a little bit about the health aspect of it.
1: Right. So, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people living with a lot of chronic diseases. As we get older, many of us tend to get these chronic diseases, such as Um, diabetes and heart disease and um kidney disease and obesity and and everything that comes with it many of us are on multiple medications and a lot of us you know don't feel our best and and so what i talk about in the book can help prevent some of these chronic diseases and also even reverse them um, if done appropriately, while at the same time um, making a dent on some of those climate aspects that we've been talking about. So it really is a one-two punch.
0: Expand on the whole idea of food as as medicine, really, in, in, in terms of, of what you said a few moments ago in terms of so many people not feeling well a lot of the time.
1: Right. Well, you know, as, a, as an inpatient clinical dietitian, I see all kinds of patients uh, from patients waiting for, you know, transplanted organs or patients with diabetes that is not well controlled. Um, and, you know, the thing that they all have in common is that they are on multiple medications and that can really wreak havoc with your, you know, physical health and your emotional health and just how you feel in general. And so, Absolutely. You know, what we put in our bodies, like they say, you know, you are what you eat. And in a way, I mean, that really is true because if you're putting good, nutritious, healthy, fibrous and water and um, vitamins and minerals naturally occurring in foods, you feel better versus if you're eating foods that are inflammatory or high in sugar causing all these, you know, Inflammation in the body and these sugar highs and sugar lows. So really what you eat absolutely uh, can make a, a major impression on how you feel, what you're able to do in a day, how well you can
0: think. Do you think people are coming to see that with greater clarity today?
1: I would like to think so, but <laughs> I also, I, I mean, I truly, I would like to think so, but I also do, again, understand and realize, you know, a lot of people are set in their ways. A lot of people don't necessarily understand these connections. And unfortunately, there is a lot of misinformation out in the media about weight loss and, and how people can associate weight loss with health. And it's not necessarily the same thing. So I do think there needs to be better communication on what do we define as feeling good and good health versus, you know, quick weight loss, which maybe makes you feel good for, you know, a short period of time, but it's not really sustainable. It's not the lifestyle that I'm necessarily talking about.
0: And then expand on the ways in which this also relates to environmental consequences and the choices that we make in terms of what we eat really does have a broader environmental impact.
1: Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, if you think about it in in one aspect, uh, if you think about one acre of land, for example, you can grow something like five thousand to ten thousand times more calories of uh, plant-based foods, for example, grains, than if you were growing, you know, beef, like a, a cow, you know, for example. Um, and so, not only can you grow significantly more food that is plant-based. Um, and feed that many more people, but the food itself is going to be healthier for your own body. So you're you're healthier eating more whole grains, fruits, vegetables, legumes, uh, nuts, and seeds uh, than you are if you're eating you know, tons of animal products, which can be inflammatory and increase the risk of all of these chronic diseases we've been talking
0: about. Among people that you, you encounter in a clinical setting, what kind of resistance do you find to all of this?
1: To be quite honest, when people are in hospital, I mean, you know, most of the time we're dealing with a a very immediate um, consequence, like a very, they're having, you know, a, a, a diabetic, crisis or they've just had a heart attack. So we're really in a therapeutic, like, let's fix you up right now while you're in the hospital. Um, And then we can talk more longer term approach of how to have a, a healthier lifestyle. So, you know, there is that one aspect of the clinical work in hospital is very much like, let's treat what your problem is right now versus um, more of a preventive approach, uh, which is let's see what we can do to, in terms of lifestyle to be healthier in general.
0: And the reason I ask you that, because in so many ways it mirrors some of these larger issues that, that when there are these wildfires or there are floods or there are things that impact the environment negatively, people are willing to, to address perhaps or think about what needs to be done. The minute the crisis is over, it's sort of back to business as usual.
1: Oh, I completely agree. I mean, yeah, when you think about some of the wildfires you you've had up in northern California, for example, or even here in southern California, it really is crisis mode. What, you know, what can we do? What should we have done? But then I agree it's sort of like not even hindsight 2020. It's just sort of when the crisis is over, it's like, "Okay, well, There you go. It's over. I mean, I know there are people working on it, crisis management and also crisis prevention, but um, I also see what you mean. People want to get back to their comfortable rhythm. I mean, it's the same thing with the pandemic. People want to get back to their comfortable rhythm as opposed to this uncomfortable, who knows what's going to happen next situation. And, you know, the consequence of that was rather than see a drop in Emissions, it turned out there was actually yet again another rise in emissions. So um, it, it's, it's a tough situation. And that's why I really do try to focus on the individual because I want people to realize look, you don't have to depend on others to make these choices for you or not make these choices. You can take action
0: right now. Do you think that California is ahead of the curve in this regard?
1: I like to think that California um, has more awareness on these issues and is more willing to take action. Um, I know that there's a lot of talk about a lot of these issues in California. Um, I do feel like a lot of them still are around transport and the greening of the energy sector and things like that. Um, and I know that there's an ever persistent argument uh, about water rights in California. So on some things, I give California, you know, a grade A. On other things, there's more work to be done.
0: When you look at all of the things that you talk about in Recipe for Survival, if you had to pick just a couple that you would really like people to focus on, what would they be?
1: Well, honestly, I think the number one, if you, if you only had time and energy for one thing in your life, I honestly would choose, um, you know, recipe number one, which is eat more plants and significantly less meat. And I say that because the most impactful thing you do as an individual every day is make food choices. And that is so impactful because um, the foods that we eat, if they're plant based foods, use significantly less land significantly less water and produce significantly fewer emissions than if we're eating kind of like a standard American diet which is more heavy in animal and dairy products. And so if you had to choose one thing, that would be it. If you could choose that plus another thing, I would probably recommend um, using, you know, community supported agriculture or um, using community gardens where you have an opportunity to engage in your local communities and kind of grow some of your own in the garden, in the community garden or support your local farmers with the community supported agriculture or CSAs because honestly the amount and, and the freshness of the produce you get from a CSA is unparalleled. It's del- it's so much and it's so relatively inexpensive compared to shopping in the store.
0: Dana Ellis Hunnis, her book is Recipe for Survival, What You Can Do to Live a Healthier and More Environmentally Friendly Life. Dana, I thank you so much for spending time with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you.